Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I'm your co-host, John Ronaldo, and I'm joined here as always with Chris Wesley. How are you in this fine summer day? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, you know, it's uh, kind of nice because um, as this is airing, I am on vacation, uh, which is nice um, up in uh, the New England area. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, so I am assuming that I am relaxed and just enjoying, you know, the clean, you know, nice, fresh, crisp New England air um, and uh, not thinking about anything for the fall or coronavirus or whatever, John. Uh, that's, that's, that's how I'm doing. How are you doing? Oh man, that's what we all need. We should link back to the vacation podcast we did a long time ago of how you know we basically say we need to take vacation. Uh, now more than ever, isn't that true? Like, you know, my vacation was squashed because of coronavirus and, and I'm sitting here like, I'm drained. I feel it. Like I know I'm drained. I'm like, oh, I need that vacation. So good, good on you for taking that vacation. So we'll, See, we'll link to that vacation podcast so you but can- But that's the uh, problem listen. when you live in the middle of the desert, man. You know, like, like where are you going to drive to? You know, LA? Like, I mean, that's, uh, that's, you know, yeah, there could be some vacationing things there. But, you know, um, uh, but, you know that's the nice thing about living in the Northeast is I can drive 45 minutes and be in a whole different state or town or landscape in that regard. So I um, can drive 30 minutes and be in two different states for the record. <laughs> I could be in California and Arizona in 30 minutes flat, the, maybe 45. <laughs> but the desert of, you know, Arizona yes. and California. <laughs> there is <so>. nothing there. <laughs> but, but within like two hours drive, there are numerous national parks and and county state parks that that we we have access to including the grand canyon so yeah i I feel like i'm defending the desert right now (laughs) you know you don't have to i'll I'll back off because when i came out to visit you over a year ago like that was awesome going from like downtown las vegas and then driving what was it 45 minutes to uh mount charleston and everything so um where there was snow at the top so like Like that was one of the biggest um, temperature swings I've experienced outside of the time I was in the Adirondacks. It was negative 30 and oh, then it being 50 degrees back in Baltimore. So anyway, um, that's not what we're talking about. This is total no. side tangent. I don't even <laughs> no. think I can rope this back in. So, um, but just pivot, I, just pivot, yeah, just pivot before I panic. All right. So anyway, um, we're going to pivot and uh, I, what we're going to talk about actually is probably just as important as vacation. Um, and, and taking time away, and that's uh, volunteers. And uh, John, I don't know about you, but a lot of the people I've been talking to, a lot of my clients have been like, um, I don't know necessarily what program's gonna look like, but I do know that I need volunteers. Um, but then again, I don't know how to recruit volunteers because I'm just not seeing them at church um, or they're you know away or, or something like that. And um, so I know people, that's adding a little bit of pressure onto what needs to be done to get ready for the fall, but not just for the fall, but for the life and the health of the parish. So today we're gonna uh, talk about recruiting volunteers from the comfort of your own home, so. Yes, well, we absolutely need it, you know, and we've talked about volunteers before and in probably other podcasts, and, but one of the strategies that we've always talked about, Chris, is, is how important the personal invitation is. Right. You know, and, and what's the best place to do that? Oftentimes it's after mass, right? You know, well, guess what? Many of us 
don't have or still don't have that option, right? You know, but we've got programs ramping up. And, and, and you know, the past couple episodes, we've talked about what does formation look like in light of this new world, you know, and but part of it is not just how do we recruit them, but but we're redefining how we use them too, you know? And so I think that's a really interesting topic for us to kind of delve into because it's not business as usual, right? For our parishes in terms of how we've done our programs, how we've done our efforts, which means we're also not gonna be using volunteers in the same way, but we have this extra barrier, right? You know, offices, even if you are still working in your parish office, Chris, uh, your office is not likely very open to the public, right? You know, uh, it depends on where you're at, you know, um, and I think that's an interesting reality. So how do we, Chris, how do we recruit volunteers from the comfort of our own home, from my couch, from my bed, from my wherever I'm at? Well, if you have Amazon Prime, you just pick up, or uh, a Fire Stick, you just pick up your remote and say, Alexa, find me volunteers. <laughs> no, uh, I wish it was that I don't easier. think that would work, right? And then no, they just pop up like- No, if you're talking to your Echo or Home or whatever device you have at home, like, and say, Siri, Alexa, Google, you know, no. It, it, uh, find me a volunteer. Find me a volunteer. That would be like <laughs> incredible. I mean, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I think it, um, uh, well, you know, the first thing I want to say, um, and I remind people, is that recruiting volunteers in the summer is difficult regardless of what's going on. I mean, because people are so transient, right? Like, uh, and, and I know this depends on the area of the country that you live in, um, especially if you live in affluent suburban areas. A lot of people are escaping the suburbs and going to vacation homes or traveling or just, you know, um, uh, they're not going to, and they're not going to be at your parish regardless. We see parish attendance, uh, mass attendance drop in the summers anyway. And so it's a little bit harder when kids are on vacation and, and doing that as well. Um, you know, so uh, I, another thing too is people are just looking to take a break and disconnect from uh, certain responsibilities and obligations. And then thirdly, you know, traditionally we've made, and, and I know I'm speaking more from a faith formation standpoint, but I think this is impacted throughout the rest of the church because we've made so much of parish life from September to May. Like we're, we've communicated to a lot of people that summer is time off for everything. Right. And so um, now you add a, a nice layer of coronavirus on top of that. And it's going to, you know, accelerate that, 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 that black hole or void of, um, of volunteers you make you make coronavirus sound like it's chocolate frosting on a cake i wish it was that delicious but it's not is it <laughs> it's not oh crap no um <laughs> but i mean like you know that's that's the thing is like we we, we want to blame corona like i'm not trying to be a coronavirus apologetic you know like give it a chance you know but um <laughs> <laughs> no, no i'm done with it man i'm yeah. done with it <laughs> we're all done with it but like what I'm saying is, and I think this is like, this is probably like the disclaimer for a lot of things we've been talking about. Don't blame coronavirus for all these other systematic problems that you've had before mm -hmm. in the past, because the parishes who are gonna be able to survive through these things have systems set in place. And yes, coronavirus is, adds that challenge to it, but if you have a system, you can make tweaks to adjust to it. So the things that I, that I want to talk about and share and some of the things I've been sharing in blog posts and um, webinars on this topic um, are things that you should put in place even after coronavirus is gone. 
Um, so, but the first thing to acknowledge is the fact that summer is just a really bad time of year to recruit volunteers. If anything, this is the time of year where you do give volunteers a rest, where you train, invest, and, and form them. Uh, with that said, you still can recruit volunteers because you need to recruit volunteers. And what we want to focus on is a system that works 365 days a year. I love it. I love it, Chris. So, so where do we begin? What's the first thing I have to do? I'm stuck at home. Or I'm stuck in the office. I don't have masses. I can't connect with people face to face. What's my first step? So uh, the first step is uh, looking at your need, right? What are the type of volunteers that you, you, you need for your ministry? And uh, some of that's going to have to be thinking of new positions, right? Because programmatically things are going to look a little bit different and everything. But um, it's, it's clarifying that need and then um, actually putting that down on paper. And I'll get to that in a second, right? Uh, but before I do, um, I just want to stress, this is a lot easier when you have a team of people doing this with you. Um, because if you are uh, with, with some of the things I'm going to suggest, you know, you, you might have to delegate some of those things. But um, if you don't have at least one or two other parishioners, coworkers, uh, volunteers who can help you do this, um, just, just know, again, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. But it's assessing that need, right? So um, if I know I need, uh, let's just say, um, let's just say we're getting ready for the fall with masks, right? So we need ushers, we need cleaning crews, right? Because um, that's just going to be a part of our reality for a while. Um, you know, there's Eucharistic ministers, uh, certain liturg liturgical ministers. You know, depending on what your diocese is allowing with singing thing, you know, um, and uh, altar serving and things like that, right? So make an account for all those uh, volunteer positions and start writing out little job descriptions. And I would say like two, you know, three sentence job descriptions. And the purpose of those is one, it's gonna give not just you clarity on what you need and, and what needs to get done, but it's a great recruiting tool. And um, the reason why you wanna start creating these little job descriptions is because you're gonna wanna start posting them somewhere online because I think something that and i haven't seen this in a lot of churches and it always blows my mind we see this in <clears throat> a lot of non-for-profits especially outreach opportunities where there's a page that has like ways of volunteering right so like john if you want to serve at the local um, with catholic charities right you go to the catholic charities website it says here's a list of all of our places you can serve you click on those places to serve and there's like here's all you need to know about volunteering and how to who to contact and stuff like that parish websites for some reason don't have that so I'd say step one is start putting the content together that you can put online, all right, as a static homepage right there. So step one, identify the need, clarify the rules, and put it down on paper so that you can put it online. And let's be clear, Chris, this is something that we should be doing regardless, right? Even, you know, pre-COVID, post-COVID, right? Because that clarity of, of that job description is so important and, and really understanding the needs. But I think, yeah, in light of especially the changes that we've talked about in previous episodes, your, your volunteer needs are going to be very different this year. Uh, and, and you may not need classroom catechists in the same way that you did in, in, in the past or whatnot, but you've got to, you got to nail that down first. You got to figure that out. You got a vision, you know, what's that going to look like? What do I really need? And then start writing that down to paper. I think that's the best practice, regardless of the season of the world that we are in, you know, COVID or not. Well, and, and the other part of it too, is the fact that, um, 
you know, like we, some of churches do do this, but scattered throughout and it's afterthought, right? Like if I'm looking at your children's programs, which if I'm a parent, I'm going to be looking at the children's programs and then I see, oh, volunteer opportunity, right? But if I'm a non-parent, I'm not going to necessarily look in children's ministry to look for volunteer opportunities if I want to get involved in children's ministry. And that's why having like a, a get involved page or a volunteer opportunity page um, or a minute, whatever you want to call it, ministry page is essential and and then you know just again sharing those opportunities to do that um i think is key and um what that does is it takes a lot of pressure off of other like face-to-face -face recruitment because like john if like you and i are chatting and we only have like a minute and i'm like hey i really want you to get involved in youth ministry um and you're like all right that's great can we talk about it some other time i can say like hey just go on to the parish website real quick check that stuff out and then let's follow up and talk about it right and so now you can go and say like, hey, I was looking at some of the job descriptions and I really liked this one. Tell me a little bit more about mm -hmm. it, right? And so it creates a little bit more of a fluid um, recruiting tool in that regard. You know, it's really interesting that I've never thought of that until you said it about having that webpage because when I worked for Catholic Charities, I literally helped manage the volunteer page, you know, because we had a ton of ways to do it. And of course we had application process and fingerprint and all that jazz, right? You know, much like many parishes do as well, right? until you said that, I never, it never occurred to me like, duh, like parishes should be doing the exact same thing. So uh, thank you for educating me and giving me a little light bulb moment, because I think that's so true. I think it's so fascinating that we have not done that. And, and it's one page, right? You know, it's, we're not talking anything crazy. You follow the, the template, the skin of your, your website and, and create a page that quite honestly, I think it, it just says volunteers or want to volunteer or, or how to volunteer or volunteer ministry, right? You, I think the volunteer descriptor, I think is key because people understand what that means, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and so, but having a page for that makes, I think a whole lot of sense. Uh, you know, maybe it's a standalone page with its own little, you know, graphics saying volunteer, or if maybe it's part of the about us, but I think it should be front and center because um, the, there, that's an important way for parishes to get involved, for parishioners to get involved specifically. Yeah, and we, we actually sell a volunteer template on uh, the Marathon Youth Ministry store um, as well. And uh, just uh, to give you kind of an idea of like things you should fill into it. Um, but I, again, too, if you want to, um, if you have questions about that, feel free to shoot me an email at cwesley at marathonyouthministry.com. Um, but the job description is key um, because, again, it's not just a good recruitment tool, but it's also a good tool to go back to when you do have your volunteers and you're sitting down checking in with them. And, you know, anytime they have a lack of clarity on what they're supposed to do, they can look back at that job description and say, oh, yeah, as a small group leader, as an usher, as a uh, catechist, I do X, Y, or Z. So, um, so creating that landing page is, is huge. And, and what's good is you can then build off of that. And I know this isn't necessarily the aggressive recruiting that people I think are hoping for, but we're, we're, we'll get to that, right? But like the other thing that you can do from the comfort of your own home is reach out to current volunteers. And now that we're getting a little bit more comfortable with seeing ourselves on a screen, tell them to record like a three to five minute video of their witness story of why they get involved in volunteers. And so this is something we just started doing in our parish. And I reached out to a bunch of my um, youth ministry volunteers. And I said like, hey guys, um, you know, you can either come in and I can record you on, um, you know, on the devices that we have. We have a phone, you know, my phone or, you know, um, uh, one of our, our cameras. Or if you feel comfortable, set up a phone, you know, just make sure your background's clean. Uh, make sure you have good audio and that, you know, there's not the world is crumbling around behind you. 
and for three to five minutes, answer these questions. And I said, you know, share a little bit about your story of how long you've been a parishioner, uh, share one hesitation you had about getting involved in that ministry. And then third, share a moment or a, a situation or a reason of how your life has changed, you know, or your faith has deepened because of that ministry. And, uh, you know, I, I, like, to be honest, I was skeptical that anyone would do this. And right away, I got like three or four people who were like, yeah, sure, Chris, I'll, I'll do that. And, um, you know, we created a Dropbox file that they could just drop those videos in. And, um, you know, I like, like, I know I have a little bit of a video editing background. I might touch them up a little bit. But I mean, even so, those are things you can then post on your website or things when you do get a little bit more aggressive, post on social media or newsletters um, or whatever that you pass out. And now what people are seeing is like, oh, you know, um, people are involved in the church currently, even though quarantine's going on. And then B, like, oh, I know that Liz, I know John, I know Chris, and um, and they're sharing their story. Um, and it doesn't seem so bad. They really like it. Maybe I can ask Liz, John, or Chris about getting involved in ministry. And then you train those people who are in the videos to say like, hey, you like this? Go to the website, check out the job descriptions. Mm -hmm. If you have more questions, reach out to the youth minister, the liturgical director, so forth and so forth. Yeah, that is so important, right? Because it goes back to the idea of story, right? And we've talked about story a lot, right? Know your faith story, et cetera, et cetera, right? That's so important, right? Now you create a story about why and how volunteering is impactful for these individuals who are volunteering. And it's not coming from a staff person where, you know, a staff person to the normal pressure, a staff person might have an agenda, right? You know, to kind of get me. But if I'm hearing another normal parishioner, I'm doing all these air quotes right now, but another normal parishioner talking about their volunteer experience, that is much more enticing than, than Chris, you coming up to me and say, hey, you want to volunteer? I mean, it's a combination, right? There's, there's a combination of stuff, but the more ways that we can get that story out uh, and, and share that, it, it is it's part of their witness story in terms of volunteering. I absolutely love that. And doing a video, that's the way to do it. You know, and I love that you give those those three prompts, right? You know, just answer these three questions, right? You know, and just talk about it and share your experience. And it's simple. And and don't get, you know, Chris, you and I were texting about this, you know, the other day. Don't get caught up in the quality uh, of the the video. Like, I think it it should be good, right? And should have clear backgrounds, like you said, but it, it, it does not need to be professional level, right? Now, you don't want it distracting, right? You don't want it so bad that it distracts from the content, right? But I think we often get stuck, Chris, thinking like, it's got to be perfect. It's got to be perfect. Well, no, not really. Like, you know, let's have it be an authentic, you know, experience and having people share their own stories. So, so put aside the perfection of a need to have a perfect video, as long as it's good, it's quality, it's not distracting, it gets the message across, you know, that's all you need, I think, personally. Yeah, and I mean, again, like if you don't know how to embed stuff on your website, I mean, one, that's a whole nother conversation, but at least you can share those in a newsletter or on social media, um, like on your Facebook page, Twitter accounts, uh, Instagram, you know, just sharing those videos um, and getting them out to people. and. Um, especially the videos are great because then it's shareable content, right? It's shareable stuff that gets out there. So, um, so again, just kind of recapping, uh, identify the need, you know, put it on a web page, and then start capturing stories of people who are currently serving in those ministries right there. 
Um, so that's a lot of stuff that you can set up. And, you know, the only thing that you really need to update over time is just if some of those positions change and, and maybe like as you get new and more stories, but also archive some of those old stories because, you know, when you do a capital campaign, when you do a, um, you know, push for uh, catechists or Christmas or whatever, like just being able to pull out those stories are going to be huge. And um, that's, that's just stuff that's going to be golden uh, for, for, for years um, uh, with what's going on. Um, so now that we've kind of established a, a portal where people can, can um, at least learn more about ministry. And, and I guess another thing on that page is like create some kind of form that people can sign up for, you know, and uh, like don't have them have to write an email or phone someone, right? And the simplest thing, and it's free, is just go to Google Forms, right? Um, unless you have a database or um, a software that creates forms, but if you don't and you're looking to save lots of money, just go to Google Forms, right? And create a form there where you're just at least collecting their name, their uh, contact information, and then um, just asking them what area of ministry they're interested in, in serving and put a little message in there that says like, hey, we're gonna follow up with you within 24 hours, 48 hours, you know, or within the week. Make sure that um, you're very clear on a time frame of when you'll follow up so that if you accidentally don't, they can at least reach out to you and be like, hey, it's been 48 hours. I thought I was supposed to get an email. Like, let me know, you know, um, in that regards. Well, I like that. I think setting up the clarification of when to respond, but then you need to respond. Like, that's the thing, right? You know, and that's, that's where I've had trouble personally is the follow through, right? You set up all this stuff and then what's my follow through? Uh, and, and I would say, I, I think church people are notorious for not following up with people who are interested in getting involved. You know, and I know that from two perspectives. I know that as a parishioner wanting to get involved and just not hearing anything. But I, too, I know that from being a staff member who did not respond to people as well. So I've experienced it from both ends. So, but I think we need to be very intentional about that follow-up. What does that follow-up look like, Chris? Is it, is it a phone call? Is it an interview? I mean, what, what does that kind of look like? And, and how do we take it to the next level at that point? That's a great question. And that kind of leads us to, um, you know, uh, even when you reach out, whether you're receiving information or you're reaching out for information, uh, yeah, you have, that, have to have those next steps, right? So the first thing is identifying the things that you have to have a volunteer do before they actually start serving. Like what are the things that they need to know and that you need them to do? And, and so safe environment training is, is course at the top of that list um, and I think most dioceses now are mandating that all volunteers um, are going through it not just children and youth so um, when someone responds um, that's one thing that you're gonna have to talk about and I'll talk about how to address those things in a second um, you're gonna want to know what other additional training that they need right like if they're a liturgical minister obviously they're gonna, or a lector you know or Eucharistic minister specifically there's specific training that they'll have to go through like what's that gonna look like? When's that training uh, available? Um, and then a start date. Um, like when are you projecting that they can start? What's the earliest that they can start? Even if you don't have a date, like is this gonna take two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, you know, things like that. So, um, so those are things that you have to keep in mind because that's important information to get to them. But when you follow up with person, first get to know them. First get to know a little bit about them. So I used, I usually like to ask a few questions like, you know, how long have you been a member of the parish? 
Um, you know, tell me a little bit about like how you came to St. Joseph's Nativity or, you know, name the parish that you worked at. Um, and then tell me a little bit about like what inspired you to like sign up for this ministry? Um, you know, was it the pulpit announcement? Was it a bulletin announcement? Was it just your experience and things like that? Um, and then third, just say, you know, tell me why you think uh, you'll be uh, a great addition to this ministry, right? And I know that's kind of a weird question to ask because it sounds like an interview question because this should be an interview, right? We're not just accepting anybody, but we should be screening people at that point. And so that's where you want to listen for any kind of red flags. But at the same time too, it's also going to help you place that person in the best um, opportunity possible, right? So let's just say that um, you have someone who signs up and, um, and you talk to them and say like, why do you think you'll be great for um, this uh, ministry? And uh, they then start sharing about some other gift or talent that they have. And you're like, oh, I didn't know you did graphic design. I didn't know that you did social media. I didn't know you did this, this, or this. And, and what you'll discover is there are new roles that you might create and say like, hey, you know, I know you signed up to be an usher, but like, have you thought about doing this? I know we haven't advertised it on, on the parish staff, but we've been thinking about it. Like, have you thought about like maybe helping us out in this area instead? Um, and so getting to know that person is one going to help you screen them, you know, make sure that they, they are right for that ministry. Um, but the other part too is getting back to that information of when they start child safety and stuff. It's going to kind of like ease the tension that comes to that point where you're like, all right, listen, you have to go through this safe environment training, which is going to talk about, you know, abuse and, um, you know, just creating, you know, healthy environments and, and things like that. Um, and there is paperwork involved. But by that point, you've at least broken the ice and there's a little bit of um, just relaxed atmosphere in that conversation. Yeah, some rapport. I think that's really interesting. A couple of things that you said, you know, uh, it feels like an interview because it is an interview, right? Let's not make the assumption that you need to accept every person that wants to get involved, you know, in this. And I think that's, that's something that that I think we struggle with as as ministers, right? It's like, oh, every, anyone that volunteers, we need we need to allow them to volunteer. Well, maybe not, right? And so, look, the majority of the people will be fine volunteers, and that's not an issue. But I think there's some discernment there. And the other thing I, I like that you said, Chris, was the, as you find out more about these individuals, you start to find out what their gifts and talents are, and then you go, oh, maybe I should do this, right? So instead of forcing them to fit in a certain volunteer box you're actually shaping and creating a volunteer position that really is connected to their gifts and strengths and the talents that they bring to the table right and that that takes us being flexible as ministers and thinking outside the box and saying okay well i kind of was imagining this but this person can really do that instead and do that much better, even though that wasn't what I was originally thinking. So maybe let me shape them and mold them into that way. Right. I think that flexibility is super important in this process. Now, are we doing these interviews face to face? Are we doing them via zoom? I mean, how are we doing these right now? You're doing them in any way possible, like, and play to your strength and their comfort levels as well. So I don't know about you, John. Um, I do better with phone interviews than I do with a, a face. If it's an initial meeting, I, I prefer the phone just because even though I, I feed a lot off of people's, um, you know, um, body language and, and everything like that um, on the phone, it seems 
casual, but a little less, um, but not too casual, right? A, a little more formal in that regards. And then plus, like, if that person is not, right now, even though more and more people are getting used to, you know, visual meetings, like there, there's still some people who really struggle with it as well. And so, um, you know, I, I prefer the phone. Um, if you're comfortable and your parish is at, or your area is at a point where meeting face-to-face, -face, that's always key too. There's a higher success rate. Um, you know, when you recruit people face-to-face -face, um, than you do uh, via email. Um, but I would make sure that most of it is done like where there's either face-to-face -face or over the phone interaction, stay away from email because there's a lot that you just don't see with email. Even if the person says yes, there's just a lot that you don't, you can't pick up from that email. So Chris, it strikes me as I, I think back on what you've talked about and just to recap, you say assess what your needs really are, create a job description and, and then create a, a website or a page on your website where you host all these these opportunities, right? And then the fourth one is you help get volunteers to create, current volunteers to create a little testimony, a little video, why they volunteer, right? And 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 then really five is, is kind of what the follow-up, you know, really looks like on there. But what strikes me as we share these steps is that none of these steps are all that different, whether we're in a COVID world or we're not, are they? No, they're not, they're not. Where it gets different is when you start talking about campaigns for volunteers you know but like if we're talking about recruiting 365 days a year like there is an important part about having a, a home base where you send people um and um a home base or like a north star where people can go right so if i'm joining a parish and i want to get involved where do i go and how obvious is it to get there if i'm out there recruiting and you know again like i use that example of you and i not having a lot of time I can send you there, right? So where are you sending people? Where are you leading people to go? That's something that should be on every single parish page um, and uh, should be clear and low maintenance um, in regards to, to the upkeep of that. Where we are and where we find ourselves a lot is because we don't have that established, we find that we need to do these huge mega pushes. And what cracks me up and also breaks my heart at the same time is how we, the the desperation for, um, or the expectations, I should say, for uh, for these campaigns never meet the actual work that go behind it, right? So, um, John, I'm sure you've seen parishes. I don't know if you've been a part of parishes that are like this, but they're like, we need catechists. So this is how we're gonna do it. We're just gonna bug you from the pulpit every single Sunday until we meet our quota, right? Like. The bare minimum catechists I need are 15. And until I get that 15th person, you're gonna hear from me. And I'm not even gonna, once I hit 15, I'm gonna stop asking, right? And and and, and then uh, maybe we add a little blurb in the bulletin, right? So, um, which cracks me up because I know people still read the bulletin, um, but every time there's like a little advertisement for volunteering in the bulletin, it makes me think like how many people still read job advertisements in the newspaper? You know, like how many people still like, uh, you know, look for things to purchase in the newspaper, right? No one's really doing that. They're all going online and things like that. So um, what I want to challenge people to do, and, and we'll talk about how to do this virtually as well as in person, is when, if you're going to need a lot of volunteers, um, or make a push, which I think we should be doing that once or twice a year anyway. 
um, you have to go all in. And that means like you have to get, even if it's just for faith formation or just for Christmas, you need your coworkers, your parish staff involved as well, because you can make a lot more noise and get a lot more people involved that way. What do, what do you mean by go all in? I mean, are you talking about everybody kind of working together and say, we're all going to have this volunteer recruitment push all at the same time. So everybody get your, your the job descriptions and stuff ready. Like, what does that, what does that look like when we all go all in? So it doesn't necessarily mean do a ministry fair where like you have tables set up on the quad, you know, and uh, people playing cornhole while signing up for, you know, volunteer opportunities, right? Like, um, that has its place and, uh, I have mixed emotions on that, but when I say I have all, no, I have no mixed emotions about it. I don't believe they work. I've been part of them for so long and people just don't come to them. Uh, and I don't think you get a lot of volunteers for the amount of effort you put into it. I don't think you get a lot of volunteers, uh, out of those ministry fairs. You really don't. Well, you do if the marketing leading up to it is correct. Right. Cause I can point to two parishes that I've seen them done one well and one not so well. And it really, the big difference is the marketing and the, and the promotion behind it, right? So like, yeah, let, let's just talk about that for a second. Doing a ministry fair is just like doing your website, but just in person, it's a landing location, but it's not necessarily a rec recruiting location, right? It's a, it's a, a point to, uh, it's a destination to point people to, but it's not necessarily a, um, um, an effective method of aggressive uh, recruiting, right? So when I say all in, going back to that question, I mean that like, John, let's just say you're the director of liturgy and you're recruiting, you know, ushers, Eucharistic ministers and, and so forth, right? And I'm the youth minister at the parish. I know that I'm gonna go all in because if people can't find John and they're like, hey, you know, how do I get involved in liturgical ministries? Because I heard it from the pulpit and everything like that. I can, I know how they can do that. Even though it's not my responsibility to get them involved in that and trained in that ministry, I know how to make that happen. Secondly, as a youth minister, I'm reaching out to parents. I'm reaching out to teens to get involved in those ministries as well. Right. So that's what I mean by all in is that we understand as a parish right now, our parish needs these types of volunteers, these types of ministers. So we're all going to kind of refocus our efforts to um, bring people to that point. Oh, wait a minute here, Chris. You're going out of control here, but I really like this. Are you saying that if there's a liturgical ministry need that the youth ministry leader should be using his or her network parents, kids, whatever, to encourage them to get involved in liturgy. And the faith formation director should be encouraging her network, his network to get involved in youth ministry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is that what you're saying? I mean, we have to actually work together, recruit for each other. I know it's mind blowing that the bodies of the, the parts of the body of Christ would be actually working in harmony. You know, it's like so many times uh, church bodies look like or act like adolescent, like going through puberty where like the, light, the feet are too big and stumbling around because they don't know how to work together. Like if we work together, like Paul talks about, you know, um, in his letters, like just amazing how much our recruiting efforts would happen.
Go ahead. We are many parts. We are all one body. Okay, sorry. I had to throw that in there. So. But it's funny because we sing these hymns. <laughs> because, but we don't know what they mean. You know? Yes, like, I you know. But anyway. Look, that's look we're other. just having some fun with you all on this one. We're, we're, we're joking around here. But yeah, the collaboration. We are, we're one staff. We should be working together and helping each other out, right? And that that's doesn't just fall on the pastor. That right. does not just fall on the pastor. So right. pastors, before you get like all like defensive and everything like that we got your back you know if you are a youth minister if you are a liturgical director if you are in charge of building you know and maintenance like this involves you this involves you and you know even if like let's yeah let's actually use that as an example so let's just say you're the business manager right which you really don't have like ministries that you oversee like maybe they're like finance council you know just not in the same standpoint as like a liturgical minister right or um, well, okay. Let, let me just, I'm going to come to the defensive business. I know where you're going with this, but like a business manager, like I was a business manager, we had money counters and we had all sorts of other folks, finance council for sure. So we had people in the front office work in the front office as volunteers too. So I, I had to come and just say that Chris, cause like there, there are plenty of ways that volunteers should be involved in the administrative function of of the parish as well but i get what you're saying because you're talking about kind of the more the pastoral function you know well, even, the administrative function even more to my point right like you as a business manager should be looking at like if you're overseeing the office staff um maybe not so much the money counters but the office staff and saying like all right hey the youth ministry is doing a push you know like here's the faqs that you should be ready to answer when people call in mm -hmm. right um, or, you know, it's like, what is not clear about what, um, the liturgical director putting together in regards to this push that we're doing there, or, Hey, just get ready because father is going to talk about X, Y, or Z from the pulpit. And you're going to get a lot of these questions this week over the phone. Right. And that's, that's something that where the business manager should be partnering with whoever that ministry or other pastoral leader is on making sure that there's things put in place. If you're in charge of maintenance, let's just say you're in charge of maintenance and everything. It's saying like, hey, for this push this weekend, you know, um, I'll make sure that there are tables set up or that there are, um, you know, materials ready to go to help you promote, you know, uh, for for catechists or for BBS volunteers or things along those lines. I mean, I, I think we've kind of driven home to that point where, again, it's, you know, rally together as a team of, uh, um, as a team to help make that push happen. And if you're, if you're the priest or the deacon at that parish, you need to be ready to preach on it. You need to be ready to preach about it and don't use like, well, it doesn't match with the liturgical calendar. That's when you have to look at the liturgical calendar and say like, okay, when are good times to talk about serving in ministry? And I find it very hard to find a weekend where Jesus doesn't talk about serving others, you know, and loving others. So like, come on, like, let's not, <laughs> let's not make that the reason. Okay. Take out your golf joke, take out your like little antidote and just talk about like serving in ministry um, in that, right? because that's an application where when you talk about, you know, um, the gospel of Jesus Christ and you want your parishioners to do something, that's where you can say like, Hey, and if you want to be the body of Christ, or if you want to get closer to God, or if you want to do, you know, anything that Jesus talks about, a great way is getting involved in ministry. And oh, by the way, we're looking for liturgical ministers, catechists, you know, uh, you know, rosary creators, I don't know, like, get involved in that way.
I love it. I, you know, this is a really great topic and there's more that we can go here, but I do want to point people to, and we'll link it to the show notes that you did write a, a short little blog article on this very topic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which was called how to recruit volunteers without leaving the house. So we'll link to that. There's some overlap between the things that we talked about here and that blog post, but we'll link to that as well. And I do want to take this opportunity to also share that Paris Success Group is in the process of developing some master classes that are going to begin in August in 2020. And one of the topics that we are doing a master class on is recruiting, training, and sustaining volunteers for missionary discipleship. Uh, This will be taking place uh, It's uh, 10 hours of the course of four different days, uh, and uh, we'll link to to the website uh, where you can find out more information about that one and also another master class that we're doing. But uh, we're really going to get down in the weeds with those master class. We're only going to have 30 people on it. It's going to be very practical and skills-based, and really you're going to walk away with plans uh, to actually implement these ideas of recruiting, training, and sustaining volunteers. So if you are interested in this particular topic, go check out Chris's blog post, uh, but also go check out this master class that we'll be offering here in August. And, and my gut tells me, Chris, we'll be offering this master class many more times uh, in the future because this is will always be an ongoing need for us as as parish leaders well and i hope you guys do because i mean this it's one of the biggest things that we neglect to do um which if we did it it would solve so many of our issues otherwise right it would it would create so much more capacity um and that's because it's actually doing what God has asked us to do. Like if we're to grow missionary disciples, it's not just giving them the information about what it means to be a missionary disciple, but the opportunity to live that out. And um, we, we do that better with outreach. Um, Not necessarily well, but we do it better with outreach than we do with ministry. But I think, um, you know, that's where, again, we have to um, just focus on this stuff intentionally. So yeah, definitely check out the master classes at Parish Success Group. Um, I, I know that's going to be an awesome resource. Um, and of course, uh, you know, if you need further assistance with anything with your parish, you can go to parishsuccessgroup.com. But let's just say, John, that, um, you know, uh, people want to chat with you. Uh, what's the best way that they can reach out to you? I'll go to that website and all my information is there, but you can also reach out to me on Twitter at John Ronaldo. Awesome. And you can find me at marathonyouthministry.com. And and that's where you can also find that little job description that I talked about. Um, And if you want to get in touch with me anyway, uh, Marathon Youth Ministry on social media. Um, But of course, we'd love for you to visit the church podcast, Uh, you know, share this episode, uh, leave us a five star review on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere that this podcast can be heard. And, uh, you know, uh, again, go to the churchpodcast.org. And if you have uh, questions, reach out to us at questions at the church podcast dot org john any final thoughts or things uh in regards to this topic just be intentional about it right we we kind of laid out a process and and it does require time and energy and and uh, let's not leave it to the last minute thinking let's not leave it to like this is the last thing we do or not give it the time it needs so just give it some time and, and it's amazing what a little bit of intentionality can do to to really bring the results that you're looking for when it comes to volunteers Awesome. Awesome. So again, visit the church podcast.org for this episode and other episodes. And uh, of course, subscribe and follow us on iTunes and leave that five-star review. Uh, John, always a pleasure to chat with you. Uh, Let's, let's close in prayer, right? Father, son, Holy spirit. Amen. Heavenly father, I want to thank you um, so much for this opportunity to, uh, 
to talk about church and uh, ways that uh, we can inspire other people to get to know you, other people to connect with you. And, and so God, um, I pray that uh, as we put together plans for the fall or for this season that we're in, that we not only um, think about the content that we want to share, uh, the message that we want to get out, but the people who are going to carry it, the people who are going to run with it. And so God, uh, help us to be bold and to overcome any fear we have about asking people to get involved. Lord, continue to work through um, these systems and structures that we put in place. And God, um, please help us remind people that they are needed because you have created them. You have designed them to fulfill a purpose. And that purpose is to share your glory, is to share your grace, is to share your love. God, we love you in your name we pray. Amen.